you know, th- my segment was, was probably the best experience of my life. Like, I, I am not even just saying that. Like, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1074, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Y'all, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is sponsored in part by me, but actually by you. Sponsored by the consult calls, the uh, the one-off phone calls, Skype calls, Zoom calls, whatever call works best for you that uh, that are available. Any old time you need them, all you got to do is say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with something. Maybe you don't need to say that, but when you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with something, you want to bounce some ideas off me, and it's not the type of thing that is a quick, you know, quick answer on an e- via email or via a, you know a, a, a social media message, things like that. It's something we really needed to kind of talk through. Maybe there's multiple angles that might be worth looking at, exploring. That's what the consult calls are for. So all all you do. You jump on my calendar, you pick a time that works for you, bada boom, bada bam, I give you a call, or again, we connect on Skype or Zoom or you know, Carrier Pigeon, whatever whatever works best. And I guess Carrier Pigeon doesn't work any better than email, which doesn't work as good as a call. So we some type of voice communication. We go back and forth, kind of hear what's going on with your with your situation or, or in your in your mind. I offer some some outside perspective, maybe a little bit of coaching advice, whether it's injury related, training plan related, motivation related, whatever it might be. And hopefully at the end of 20, 30 minutes, you've got some clarity. You've got an idea on how to move forward and uh, everybody, everybody hangs up happy. And then you report back a few weeks or a few months later going, yep, it worked. Thanks so much. That's the ideal situation tends to happen more often than not. So if that sounds like something that might be useful for you now, jump on the calendar. If that's something that maybe you don't need right now, cause everything's, everything's good to go, then keep on keeping on. But if everything, if, 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 if ever, goodness gracious, that's like, I can't even talk today. If ever anything gets a little wobbly and you might want to talk through something, just keep this in the back of your mind. It's always available. And the way to get on the calendar is to go to disruns.com slash consultation, disruns.com slash consultation link at the bottom. Pretty self-explanatory. Any questions? Let me know and we'll get you sorted. So uh, hopefully you don't need it. Maybe you just want to chat for a while. We can do that as well. But if slash when you do, it's always there. Disruns.com slash consultation. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest recently ran 220 miles in eight days. I think I think I got my numbers right. He'll correct me if I'm wrong as we go. Uh, but he was a member of the 2022 MS Run the U.S. Relay Team. Uh, covering ground from, I think, Las Vegas into into Utah. Again, we'll, we'll get into the story as it goes. I, I think he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I got it right. We'll see. One way or the other, I'm looking forward to hearing about his experience as well as learning more about him, his running, and you know who knows, whatever else comes up during our chat today. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome Mr. Kevin Hogler to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you for the next little bit and uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, well, the, the pleasure is certainly mine. And uh, uh, y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, you want to kind of follow along with Kevin and whatever adventures he's got on store in the future. Uh, Instagram and YouTube are kind of his two his two main places. Instagram channel, it, actually, the, the handle is basically the same both places. Uh, it's just search for at Kevin Hogler runs on Instagram. Just all one word: K E V I N H O E G L E R R U N S. And the same thing on YouTube, although sometimes those YouTube, you know, there's the, there's the slash and the U and the things like that. But if you search for Kevin Hogler Runs on YouTube, you'll find his channel there as well. And of course, if you're confused, unsure, what the heck was it again? Was there an underscore? Was there a space? There's not. But in case you're curious, we'll have everything linked up as we always do back at, at the homepage for today or the, the, the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash 1074. Dizruns.com slash 1074. We'll take you back to the page for today's episode. Links, photos, the whole nine as per usual. So Kevin, the way we always start off each episode of the conversation, pretty simple question. Sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult because there's a lot of good options out there. 
But one way or the other, it usually gives us plenty of, of angles to pursue as the conversation unfolds. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. So I like to uh, run ultramarathons. So obviously, when you look at the ultramarathon space, it's such a, a vast amount of distances and time events that uh, fall into the ultramarathon category. But if I had to pick one for my favorite um, type of ultramarathon race, I really love 24-hour ultramarathons. Uh, and the reason why I love 24-hour ultramarathons is that you have to essentially do your best to be out there for the whole 24 hours. And I think that it gives you the opportunity to go through a lot of highs and lows and things that you have to work through. And that's one of the draws that I have to ultra running is that I find from uh, not only a running perspective, but from like an emotional, mental, physical perspective, there's a lot that you have to, to work through and it helps me grow across like all of those different spectrums. So it's just, I look at running a 24 hour ultra marathon as uh, essentially like adding six months of the future into one day where you have six months of growth in like one time period. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, um, trying to, I'm trying to fact check myself real quick before I get myself in trouble, but I think I'm still, uh, have, have yet to run a timed event. That's something that's, that I've been thinking about doing. Um, was, was maybe going to pull the trigger on one. Actually, as it turns out, well, you know, I guess it kind of worked out that I'm not. It's the weekend that we're, we're moving into our new house, which has already happened by the time people are listening to this. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but I, I, all that to say, one, one, of my, one of my things that I'm looking forward to experiencing and where, where I'm going with this question is kind of, you know, every race I've ever run, I've, I've never done anything longer than, I think it was if about 45 miles. It was about the, the longest ultra I've done. Uh, but everything has a finish line, you know, a, a distance you get here and, and we're done. Um, and I'm curious, you know, kind of what, what your perspective is going into these timed events, whether it's a 24 hour, hour race or some other duration race where there isn't a set finish line other than when the clock strikes, whatever number that's, that's it. How, how do you, how do you kind of go into those races mentally? What's, what's your preparation? Like not knowing exactly how far you're, you're actually going to run that day. Yeah. So I think going into 24 hour events, um, like now. So when I look at like my running resume, if you will, I've done, this is going to, I actually have one coming up, uh, this weekend. So once again, it's, it's going to be passed, uh, after this episode comes out, but I have one coming up on, uh, July 23rd. Um, so going to this one, it's going to be my, my fourth 24 hour event that I'm going to be doing. So when I when I'm going into a 24 hour race, I usually set some goals for myself. I usually have like an A goal, a B goal, and then a C goal going in. And I think that keeps me honest throughout the day. Obviously, I want to go after my A goal and I want to uh, try to achieve that. But if for some reason that ends up not panning out, having goals, I think, keeps you wanting to, to keep moving and keep pushing. And I think ultimately my main goal going in and, and how I view these races is always putting my best foot forward and always like trying to maximize my time out there and, and maximize the distance that I can run at that event. I think going into a 24 hour race, it's really important to know that it's not going to go smooth. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, you can have a plan, but there's a good chance that you might be 13, 14, 15 hours in and start to hit a wall and feel like your energy is completely zapped. And I think going into a race that's a 24 hour event, it's really beneficial to have in mind that you're going to hit some low patches and that as long as you keep pushing, you're going to come out of them. So kind of getting yourself mentally prepped before you head into a 24 hour event is super helpful um, because then you go in and you're already mentally ready to run. And I think also I, this is an obvious statement, but I think also realizing that you're going to be out there for a really long time for 24 hours straight with no sleep doing that and like level setting with yourself. Like I know I'm going to be out there for a day. I need to take things slow. I need to go at a, a easy pace and things like that. I think that is, is going to set you up for success when you head into a 24 hour race. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. And, and certainly something that, uh, like I said, one of these days and, and hopefully not too far along, I don't know that I'll, I'm pretty sure. Let me say, let me say that. I'm not going to guarantee anything. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to jump right into the 24 hour pool, but 12 hours might be, might be a pool that I would be comfortable swimming in, uh, for the first time. Um, but still, still a long enough time. I mean, it'd be longer than I've ever been out on, on, on a run or anything like that if I'm out there for the whole 12 hours. So 
uh, definitely, definitely some things to keep in mind. Um, you know, like you said, this is your, your fourth 24 hour event coming up. How, how far have you gone or what's, what's the farthest you've gone in, in 24 hours in your previous events? So, uh, the farthest that I've gone was 105 miles. So the end of, or the beginning of August of 2021, I ran a race called the Loopy Looper here in New Jersey. Uh, for anybody that is, uh, listens to the podcast is from New Jersey. It's an awesome race. It's on a 3.75 mile loop. It's right outside Philadelphia. So you get to look at the Philly skyline for pretty much the duration of the race when it's not dark out. Uh, but it's an awesome race. And I was able to, uh, last year, get 105 miles in, which is my, my personal best. What's the goal for this year? Uh, so this year, I would love to hit 110 miles uh, in, in, in the time period. I've missed it a few times already. That's, that's been my A goal for uh, most of my races that I've gone after when it comes to uh, 24 hours. But uh, I'm feeling good this year that I can make it happen, and hopefully I do. So... And, and there's, there's nothing really to this question in terms of like, you know, just, just so nobody's thinking like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm qualifying it, but whatever. Um, 24 hour events going a hundred miles. Have you ever done quote unquote, just a hundred mile race? Have you, have you done those type of ultras? Do you, do you stick to more of the time-based ones? So, uh, I've done one hundred mile ultra, which is actually in, uh, you know, closer to your neck of the woods, uh, down in Florida. I, uh, I ran a race called, uh, the Daytona 100 as my first 100 mile ultra, which is phenomenal. If anybody's looking for a 100 mile ultra marathon, it's beautiful. You run down uh, the coast from Jacksonville to Daytona, and it's it's phenomenal. Like, it's such a a great entry into the 100 mile distance because you make two turns the entire run. You're able to have your crew whenever you want, so it's an awesome first hundred. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's you know small world as as the running world can sometimes be. Um, not that I ran it, but I I paced somebody at the 50, the Daytona 50, because it's a 100 mile option and a 50 mile option. I paced somebody and crewed somebody for a 50 miler, and, and yeah, I can I can vouch for the fact that it's basically straight, a little bit of beach running, a little bit of a whole lot of, of road running, but just straight down straight down the coast. Um, no no hills really to speak of. So I guess that for some folks that's that's a plus for us in Florida. That's that's a real plus because we don't get the chance to train on the hills. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have something flat for a hundred miles. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a great race. I mean, it's, it's great. And, and it's such a perfect time of year. So it's usually the first week of December. So it's like you have perfect weather where it's cool, it's breezy. Like you don't have to worry about too hot, like it being too hot and humid with like the Florida weather. It's just, it's such a great race. I mean, definitely. And it's, it's all road. So um, for some people that train on trails, it might not be something that you're interested in, but for, uh, individuals that are looking to like run a hundred miler on the road, personally, I love road hundred milers. That's part of the reason why I do these looped races because they're usually on a paved road. But I definitely would say if you're open to running a hundred miler on, on pavement, it's a phenomenal race. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I'm grinning here because I've, I've talked to, not, again, not that I've done any 100-mile races or anything like that, but I've talked to enough folks that have run those types of distances and um, almost, almost to the letter, although I'm sure there's a few, they're just like, yeah, like, why would you do anything like that on the road? Like, why would you do that? Like, stick to the trails. <laughs> it's softer. It's more fun. It's more scenic, whatever. But, you know, it just goes to show that in, in this sport, you know, there's, there's something out there for anybody and everybody. And, and yeah, there's, there's hundred milers, there's 50 milers that are all on the road. If that's your jam, uh, looped courses, timed events, like whatever you're looking for, you can find it if you, if you dig a little deep enough. Absolutely. And, and I think too, like to that point, uh, like some of my friends that, that run ultras, they, uh, they're more into trail running. And I have, uh, I have one friend that trails me for all of my, uh, or excuse me, he, he, uh, crews me for all of my 24 hour races that I do. And, uh, he's a big mountain runner and it's, and it's funny because he, tr- uh, he crewed me last year for this 24 hour race that I was able to uh, get 105 miles in and he crewed me through the whole night and he actually paced me for the whole time. And he actually said to me that, uh, he understood why I was interested in doing loops 24 hour races after I did it and that he actually enjoyed running the loop. So I think it's, uh, that's one of the things that I would say is like, it's easy to say, Oh, I'm a trail runner or, Oh, I would never do a flat 100 or a flat timed race. And I think 
one of the things with ultra running, like we've already said a couple times, is that it's just such a vast menu of options that you can go into and, and you can run. So I would say, you know, keep your mind open. Like if you're looking to get into an ultra, like don't pigeonhole yourself into one niche. Like I have a bunch of people that are always questioning, like how could you run a one mile loop for 24 hours? And I, I'm always like, you know, don't knock it if you haven't tried it. Like it's ends up being like therapeutic and it ends up being so simple that it's such a, like a beautiful form of exercise. So I would say like you can lean towards something like I lean more towards uh, flatter, more runnable races, but I also will go and run a uh, six hour race on trails or 50 K on trails or, or other trail races and love those too. So I would definitely say keep an open mind for anybody that's looking to, to get into ultras or anybody that's been running ultras, even like more so on trails that they should try out a flat ultra and see if they like it. Well, and, and, you know, again, kind of to that, to that same point of don't knock it till you try it. Like there are pros and cons of, of every option, no matter, no matter what your maybe preconceived notions or, or maybe even preconceived biases might be like, I can see the argument of like, man, a one mile loop for 24 hours. Like that's got to get old really fast. Like, okay, but you're never very far from aid stations because you like, there's probably just like, there's wherever you're set up. You're never more than a mile away. Uh, you're really never by yourself. If you, if you want to talk to other people, have some of that, that camaraderie. Cause it, you know, it's going to spread out a bit, but there's always going to be people out there. Um, you get pretty familiar with, with where you are. Like, like, you know, it, it might not be this scenic point to point through the mountains, but again, like, there's there's pros and cons to to whatever form or fashion of race that you come into and you know if you if you only look for the cons well then yeah it's going to be miserable but if you look for the 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 positives you might you might just actually enjoy it even if you didn't think you were going to 100% i i totally agree with that and i think i think it it ends up being just such a such a great experience whether you're going from road to trail or from trail to road um you end up realizing how much you might enjoy another type of running that you didn't enjoy at first. So yes, I, I totally agree. And, and shifting gears slightly, kind of going back in, back in time a little bit, we're talking about some of these, these ultras you've done recently and things that are on tap, but how'd you get started in the sport of running? Kevin, is it something that's been long part of your life, somewhat a little bit more recent? Where'd you, where'd you, you know, kind of get started for the first time? Yeah. So I, uh, always grew up being active. So I, I grew up playing hockey and I wrestled, um, as well. And then, Fast forward to college, I went into college um, without, uh, I, w- I wasn't going into college to play a sport. And I remember when I uh, got to college, I like wanted to get into shape because I was actually, I wanted to join the military after I graduated school. Um, and I remember that I was running on the treadmill at school um, and I went numb from the waist down while I was uh, running on the treadmill. So basically what happened was my feet started to go uh, numb and tingly. And by the time I got off, that crept up to my mid thighs. The next morning I woke up and I was numb from the waist down. And, you know, it was really interesting because if you look at my life, I had the feeling of numbness in my feet prior to going numb on the treadmill when I was at college. And I never thought much of it. Like I said, I played hockey, which was a physical sport. So I always thought it was going to be, uh, I, I always thought it was like growing pains or just a natural part of playing hockey that this numbness and tingliness feeling that I would get um, was uh, was just a part of like playing sports. So after I went numb from the waist down in my, in my fourth week of school at uh, college, I had gone to the hospital and uh, they did a bunch of tests on me and they were like, you know, we need to admit you to the hospital. We don't know what's going on. Um, and ultimately, I spent three days in the hospital and they concluded uh, that I had multiple sclerosis. So I was diagnosed with MS when I'm 18. So September, which I can't believe is actually going to be nine years since I was diagnosed. Um, and basically fast forward through the next four years of my life, I never really got back into working out. So throughout college, I, you know, like a lot of people, I spend most of my time like drinking and eating fried food and like not caring about working out. And I always had this like fear in the back of my head that like if I started working out more, uh, like MS would come back or a flare would come back. And I had that fear really intensely, like throughout my freshman year. And then after my freshman year, it was like sophomore to senior year. I just never could get back into it. Like I just, all my love for weightlifting and working out 
just kind of went out the window. And I never had the groove that I was in prior to getting diagnosed with MS. And then after graduating from college, I you know spent essentially two years still not really working out. I was gaining weight. I like peaked at like 215 pounds. And you know, if anybody looks at my Instagram, you'll recognize that I'm a rather short guy. I'm like five, six and three quarters. So that's pretty, pretty hefty for, uh, for a shorter guy. And, uh, I remember sitting there one day at, at my kitchen table in my apartment and like no exaggeration. This is like, it's not like a, a beautiful genesis. How this all came to fruition of me starting to run. I just had this like gut feeling in my stomach that was like, go outside and go for a run. And I went outside for my first run right before uh, Thanksgiving of 2019. And like that one run turned into another run, turned into another run. And I was hooked. And by uh, the beginning, by March of 2020, so like five months later, six months later, I ran my first ultra. And then I was, uh, I was hooked after that. Daggum. That's, that's quite the uh, progression. Five, six months from, from couch to ultra. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Going, going back to, or at least to kind of to connect these dots a little bit, you, you'd mentioned, and, and from what I understand about multiple sclerosis, which is admittedly not not super deep, I don't have a, a, a you know massive breadth of knowledge here, but like from what I understand, everybody that has multiple sclerosis has like it's there is no uniform dot dot dot. This is what this is the symptoms. This is what impacts things. This is how it uh, manifests or what causes it, what triggers it, things like that. Um, but you'd mentioned, you know, kind of after you got first diagnosed that like, I mean, you know, I don't know if I want to keep working out, keep running. Cause it might, it might bring some of those, those symptoms back. Um, on that Thanksgiving, when you were like, I'm just going to get out and go like, w- was that worry still in the back of your mind? Had you been for lack of a better way of saying it, living with, with multiple sclerosis long enough that you're like, ah, I'm sure it'll be okay. Like, like what was the mindset for that first run with the, the potential of causing a flare up in, in that moment? Yeah, so so by that point, I felt uh, pretty comfortable with having MS, where I wasn't too concerned about having a flare-up or anything like that. I had uh, I had been on medication for you know quite some time at that point, and I had gone you know symptom-free for you know uh, for over five years. And I basically was like, you know what, like I I want to change my life. Like I want to change the way that I feel, change it the way that I look. Like, I, I feel like I wasn't happy and I feel like I was missing something in my life. So for me, when I had that like gut feeling to go outside and go for a run, like I didn't even think twice about it. Um, it was just like a, like a special feeling. Like, uh, you know, I like to like chalk it up as like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a spiritual guy. So I kind of look at it as like divine providence, almost like divine intervention in my life where it was like, I had gone, you know, five years avoiding working out and, you know, essentially being lazy and letting myself go and not taking care of myself with MS, which I think eating healthy and working out is like a massive pillar into a good experience with living with MS. So for me, like having that moment where it was like, you know, go outside and and I had this feeling to go for a run was just, it was almost like this, all these different emotions that I had coming to like one defining moment in my life and it just like sparked such an interest and sparked such a motivation in me to just go out and do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'm assuming, uh, but you know what happens when you start assuming, um, (laughs) I'm assuming that that run went well. Like, like it was, it was, you know, no factor with the, with the MS, like good to go and, and do it again, whatever the next day or a couple days later. Yeah, exactly. So it went well. I went out and I, I think I did like a three mile run. Um, and that one felt good. And I was like, okay, like, and I went out for, for another one. And then I just like kind of kept that rolling. And I remember in February of 2020, I ran a 10 mile trail race. And then I had a high school teacher that was like, uh, that said he wanted to run a marathon, but he had got canceled because of COVID. And right before lockdowns happened in New Jersey, uh, there was this one final event put on and it was literally like two days before lockdowns happened in New Jersey. And uh, I was able to go and, and run this six hour race right before it. So I guess that didn't really answer your question, but, <laughs> but it was the first one, the first run went great. And then I, I kind of stuck with it. And then it was like this natural progression of falling in love with each and every run that I did. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's okay. You don't, 
never have to worry about not ask, ask, answering <laughs> a question. It, it, it's, it, it, we, we talk ourselves in circles around here all the time because you kind of answered the next question, or at least started to get into the next question because, you know, like as, as unique as running is and, and you know, every, every runner is different and every runner has their own, their own journey. And I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss that by any stretch. I believe it wholeheartedly. But, you know, going from zero to, to six hours in this case, an ultra marathon distance type of an event in five or six months, like that's kind of outside the, the, the bounds of what most people would do. Most people's progression through the sport. Um, what was, what was, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe having this, this teacher that, that mentioned this race to you, but like, what was, what was the, the driving factor to go so kind of pedal to the metal in those, those first, those first five or six months for you, as far as climbing the distance ladder of, of the sport? Yeah. So I think for me, it was, you know, a lot of it for me comes down to like, what can I accomplish? Like where, what can my body do? What am I able to push myself to? And for me, that's like a really big factor into like why I do ultra marathons, why I look at the, at doing 24 hour races, hundred mile races. And, you know, hopefully even further distances is because I like to push myself to see what I'm able to do. And I think, you know, a big part of it for me with wanting to go from running that first run up to the first six hour race that I did was basically like learning what ultra marathons were. And I remember thinking to myself, like looking at the, looking at ultra marathons, you're like, wow, like that's crazy that people run these distances. Like, I wonder if I can ever get there. Like, I wonder what I can accomplish. I wonder what I can do. And for me, that was like a really big driving factor. So I just like stuck with my, my goals of like, okay, let's push. And, you know, one of the things that I running has taught me and, and I think running and pushing myself to see what I'm capable of is like almost trying to, you know, in a sense, like heal some of like the frustrations that I had as like a younger athlete. And what I mean by that was like, when I was younger, I didn't really have confidence in myself as an athlete. And, you know, I, I basically mentally beat myself before I even went out for a wrestling match. And, you know, when I got into running, I felt like running, it was like truly up to me. And I felt like I could reach my full potential. And, and part of trying to reach that full potential was kind of overcome the hurdles of like, uh, of self doubt and like, and failure and things like that. So running for me, it was like, I just want to push myself to see what I'm capable of, like see who Kevin Hoagler is. And with that being said, that's kind of morphed into even a, even a deeper meaning in, in running for me where it's like continuing to scale up in mileage and to scale up in events is, you know, part of it now is not only for myself, but also to change the conversation around MS and the MS community. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which is a, a beautiful segue into, uh, you know, what you did a little bit earlier this year and, and never one to, to let a good segue go. So MS run the U S you know, we, we've talked to some folks from uh, previous year's team. We've talked to some folks from this year's team that, uh, I think a handful of them, maybe one still, still to go. A couple that have already finished their segments. We got to get them back to talk about their segments as well. Um, but where did, where did the, the MS run the U S relay and kind of what, what, what they what that organization's got going on and, and the possibility of maybe joining the team. When did, when did all that kind of come onto the radar? Yeah. So, so I, um, last year I saw, uh, one of the individuals that I followed on, uh, on Instagram, uh, Logan Locke, um, had posted a lot about his segment and I, it caught my eye and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, this is something I'm going to keep on my radar. And then I remember I went to a race locally in New Jersey and I had saw, um, a runner, uh, with an MS run the U S shirt on at the race in New Jersey. And I like started talking to her and I picked her brain about it and she was filling me in on the, on the, on the, uh, the relay. And I was like, wow, that's really awesome. And I still never, uh, pulled the trigger on signing up. And then I listened to a podcast, where the founder of MS Run the US was being interviewed on the podcast called The Adventure Jogger. And after I got off that, uh, after I got off uh, listening to that podcast, I was like, okay, I need to apply to this. And I ended up applying to it and was fortunate enough to get, uh, to get selected to be a runner for the 2022 relay. And my segment was segment three, uh, which I ran back in the end of April. 
And like you had said on the beginning of, of the of our conversation, it was from Las Vegas, Nevada to Cedar City, Utah. And it was 220 miles uh, over an eight-day period. When, uh, when when you applied, found out that you'd, you'd gotten gotten selected for the, for the team this year, um, what was what was the thought process? Was it like excitement? Was it oh shit? Was it a little bit of both? Like what were you what were <laughs> what was kind of going through your mind when like all right, this is no longer a I'll put my name in the hat, but like my name got got picked. Like it, this is happening now. I think it was a little bit of both. Like I think I was super excited. Like I was I was very excited. Like I was so like honored and humbled to be selected for this team because it's it is such a great organization a lot of people apply and to be selected I, I just felt so fortunate so I was really excited to be on the on the relay team and to have my segment uh, and I was super excited to have the segment from Las Vegas to Cedar City because I look at that and I think to myself when am I ever going to run that segment again when am I ever going to run those roads again and ultimately if it was for MS run the U.S. I probably would have never ran those segments uh, or ran those roads but then also to your point, it was definitely like uh, an oh boy, like what did I get myself into? Because on paper, it's and when you're applying and you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, I like this segment. I'm going to rank this as one of my segments I want to run. Looking at a 220 mile segment, you know, you look at it and it's kind of like, okay, I could probably do that. To okay, this is your segment. You have no choice but to get it done. <laughs> it's uh, it's a completely different mindset, but. I think with that, that oh boy moment, it was, you know, that was even met with excitement. Like, wow, like I'm going to, I'm going to be able to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to have to do this. And that got me really excited as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what was, you know, like some of the folks I've talked to, and and obviously again, everybody's going to be unique. Everybody's got their own, their own story, but I, I, off the top of my head, I can't can't think of too many folks that I've had the, the privilege of talking to that have been on previous years or this year or previous years teams um, that were running the types of mileage or at least the types of, of races distances that, that you had run previously. Um, so what was what was what was your perspective of training for this type of race instead of you know I mean 220 miles is nothing to shake a stick at, but like instead of like 100 miles ish or 24 hours and I'm done like it's 27, 28, 30 miles, shut it down, but come back tomorrow and do it again. Repeat times eight. Like what was, what was the, what was, what was kind of, how did you prepare for this differently than maybe you would have prepared for a 24 hour event, a hundred mile race, or was it pretty similar for you? So I did it actually pretty similar. So what I tried to do, and and what's interesting is at the beginning of this year, I kind of had like a, a nagging injury uh, but it wasn't a severe injury. So it was basically, I had to take like three weeks off in February from running. So for me, that made me a little bit nervous coming into to my segment because I'm like, I don't really have all that much time to prepare after taking like a few weeks off. Uh, it was just like weird hip flexor pain that I had. Um, ultimately, I was able to figure it out. So I really had essentially like an eight week block to build up for my segment because I had run in the beginning of the year relatively um, lower mileage to what I was running when I prepare for a 24 hour or a hundred mile race. So what I did was for that eight, eight week block, I, I tried to maximize my volume each week. And I also tried to do a lot of, uh, back to back long runs. Mm-hmm. And when I say back to back long runs, I mean, doing Saturday, Sunday runs that are, you know, 20 miles followed up by another 20 mile the next day or a 23 miler on the next day, a 20 miler. And my peak week of training, I did a 50 K on uh, a Saturday. So I did a 50 K race with some elevation gain in it. And then the next day I ran 15 miles on a track as my follow up, like back to back long runs. And I think what really what really helped me was I strung together um, three weeks of 75 miles plus of mileage before I started my taper to come into my segment. And then once I did that, I felt really prepared to go out there. And then I kind of looked at it as like, I need to finish my segment regardless of whatever happens out there, even if I have to crawl the miles. So I went into it feeling like confident that I was going to be able to run it, but also confident in knowing that you have to get it done and you have no choice but to get it done. So I think in that way too, it kind of helped me mentally during my preparation to know that like, no matter what, like quitting is not an option. Right. Right. 
couple things in that, that that really stand out. And I don't know if there's going to be a question in here or not. We'll see. I'll open my mouth and throw some words <laughs> out. And if there's a question that falls out of it, cool. And if there's a comment, if there's no question for me, but there's a comment from you afterwards, great. And if not, then whatever. We'll, we'll move on to the, to the next, for sure that I'll have a question. But the two things that stood out there, one, like three weeks off, not ideal, but important for, for maybe from my perspective as a coach or, or just, you know, something to, to keep in mind for, for anybody that's listening that like, yes, taking that time off, not ideal, but if you've got a solid base in place, like you can kind of navigate it. You clearly did navigate it like three weeks off, still time to get some good peak weeks in there. Uh, still time to taper and clearly made it through 220 miles in eight days. The other thing, you know, like sometimes it's, it's easy to look at peak training leading up to a race and like, like 75 miles is a lot. Three weeks of 75 miles is a lot, but like that's that in and of itself is barely 220 miles. And you did that in eight days. And so it's just, you know, kind of one of those things to remember that like, yes, you want to be, be trained going into a, especially like a long endurance type of event, but you know, it's, it's kind of like the whole is, is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and again, I don't know that there's a question in there, but like, those are just two things that stood out to me that it's easy to kind of overlook or think that, oh gosh, you know, three weeks off, you're not going to be prepared or only, I mean, 75 miles again, it's a lot, but like, it's not even close, not even a, 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 barely a third of 220 miles yet still able to do it. I don't want to say no factor because it's, it's still a lot, a long way to go beating up the body, but like did it, you know, solid, no, no major issues. As far as I know, like, I mean, it's just, you know, what, I don't know, beauty of the human body, something, I, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking and see if there's any comments. If not, we'll move on. No, I, I think that's like such a good point because I myself, when I, when I first got into like ultra running and I, and I've had like my first like real year of racing, like 2021, like I will be honest. And like, as a coach, like, I'm sure you bump up with this with, with individuals that like don't want to take time off. Right. They're like, Oh, I need to be training every day and I need to be getting after it all the time. And, you know, I think in 2021, I got really caught up in like the mileage, really caught up in, I needed to hit certain weekly volume and I needed to hit, you know, I couldn't take a day off from running and I always had to have long runs like back to back. And I was doing, I was stressing myself out more mentally than, than anything else. And I think the point that you made that like a solid base carries forward and carries on is such a true statement because like I went into the, uh, the segment, like, you know, a little nervous, but once again, like I felt like, you know, I can do this. And you know, I felt like going through each one of those days. So the way that I split it up was I did 30 miles a day for the first uh, seven days. And then I had eight miles to finish up the last day. So the second day I actually did 32 miles. So that's how I got to the eight at the end. But, you know, going in and, and you know, having that base built, so, you know, I spent a lot of time and the way that I train is like low heart rate training. So I focus a lot on building out my base and that base sticks around. So I think it's such a good point you made because it's like, it's really important for runners to take off and take time to let your body reset and take it easy. And it's okay if you miss a workout. Like I don't think any training plan is ever going to be perfect. And if you are supposed to say run 30 miles in your week and you only run 28, that's not something you need to spend spend time beating yourself up over because those miles might be made up in the following week or sometime later in the plan. And I think much to your point, like the human body is able to endure so much. And I think if you're able to conserve and you're able to not go out too hard, you'll be able to finish any race or any distance you want. It just might not be in the time period that, or the time, uh, the time that you want. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, like that was another benefit of, of my MS run the U S segment was that I never felt like I was racing anybody and I never was racing anybody. So I just went out and I ran my 30 miles a day at a conservative, easy pace. And I, and I just think, you know, ultimately, um, don't stress out over your training. I think your training is going to come, your body's going to tell you what you need to do. And that's probably one of the most important things is listening to your body. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen up in here? Yes. No, I, I, I yes. I, I'm glad that we're on the same page on that. I'm, I'm a heart rate training guy as well. So it's, you're, you're speaking my language and, um, and clearly, you know, at least, at least for your N equals one, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It, it worked out. You got it done. Um, the other aspect of being part of the MS run the U S team is, as folks that have listened to this, you know, with, with other, other team teammates, uh, have heard me talk about this as well 
is the fundraising piece of the puzzle. How did you, know, you raise, if memory serves, 11000 and I would say in change, but it wasn't in change, 11000 and still some, some serious dollars after that. Um, but what was, you know, was the fundraising easy for you? Was that, was that more, maybe more of a struggle than the training or, or like kind of, how, how did the, uh, the fundraising piece come together for you? So I think the fundraising piece was actually more stressful for me than the training. And the reason why I say that is, you know, I actually think it's a, it's a great thing that MS Run the U.S. does. And for your listeners, you have to raise $10,000 in order to step foot on your segment. And I think that that is really important because that holds the runners accountable to raise the amount of money that they committed to in order to run their segment and have such an amazing experience. And for me, having to fundraise is something that I'm, I'm used to doing, but not to that volume. So I have fundraised you know, every year since I was diagnosed with MS. I started uh, the year after I got diagnosed with MS. I've been fundraising ever since that. So I was familiar with fundraising. I had, I have, you know, I like to think a good base of people that donate to my, my fundraiser that I do every year because I always do an annual MS fundraiser. Um, but with that being said, I, I had some, you know, some really great uh, donations and support come from a lot of people that, you know, I'm friends with, a lot of people that I went to school with, um, a lot of corporate companies. So if anybody's ever doing a fundraiser, definitely check out to see if your corporate company has a match. So at the time, my company uh, matched a lot of my donations um, that I made from myself and from my family. I was able to put the donations through um, myself and I was able to get a match from my company. So that really helped out. So fundraising was, was a little bit of a challenge. It was a little bit stressful, but, uh, but it, you know, ultimately, thankfully, I got it done. But it, it is something that you have to get a little bit creative to to accomplish. I, I feel like I asked this question to anybody who's done some serious charity running. So, you know, I don't know, consider yourselves lucky or uh, apologies or, or whatever. But I'm going to ask you as well, Kevin. Um, and, and I'll set it up by the same way I typically set it up. I, I had been, you know, like, oh, yeah, like these charity events, like they, they sound great, like great causes, yada, yada, yada for, for years before I finally took the plunge. Um, signed up for a race in, in 2020, actually, thankfully pre-pandemic. So, you know, still got the race done. It was in January. It was a Disney marathon and uh, ran for team and training, raised some money for, for you know, various blood cancers, the, the, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, but my, my whole hesitation for years to do it was just like, man, I hate asking for money. Um, we got it done, thankfully, you know, raised the, raised the money, t- ticked the boxes, got, got you know, d- d- did my part. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, coming up with some creative ways and, and certainly the, the corporate sponsor or the corporate match, like that's huge. Like, and I know a lot of people like that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle. You, you got friends that work for, for corporations that have those, those types of matches and like, you know, $50 becomes a hundred dollars and that can add up really quick. But what, what other, you know, you mentioned creativity in there. What other kind of creative ways did you go about, you know, getting a few bucks here and a few bucks there? Yeah. So, so a lot of it was on social media. So I posted a lot on my Instagram story about it. I posted, an Instagram video about it as well, about what I was doing. Um, I was interviewed on a couple podcasts as well that I mentioned it and brought it up. One of the things that really helped was uh, I reached out to my old high school mm-hmm. and got on one of the monthly newsletters that they, that they send out to the alumni network and to the, to, the, uh, to the alumni community. And I thought that made a big difference. I had the opportunity to you know, write up uh, a short blurb on what I was doing and why I was doing it. So that really helped. Um, and then I just, I tried to do some YouTube videos as well uh, to, to raise awareness for every YouTube video that I put out leading up to my, my segment. I always brought it up. So I got some donations there. So I think the, the main thing that helped was just trying to do, trying to get the word out as much as possible across my social media platforms. Um, I post a lot on Facebook about it. So I was just constantly trying to put out, uh, information on what I was doing. And then also, um, I think part of it that I think actually goes a long way was, was posting my daily runs. So every day, uh, I was posting the training that I was doing. And I think that showed people like, wow, like, you know, he's running 10 miles today and he ran 10 miles yesterday. And this past weekend he ran 40 miles between the two days. Like he's actually putting in a lot of work and working hard. I want to support this. So I think, Sometimes I feel like one of the best ways to, you know, quote unquote, get somebody to donate is to earn it mm-hmm. and to, to earn their donation. And the way that I feel that I, I was doing that was, was basically through holding myself accountable by posting a lot about it on social media. 
Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And, and uh, I, I, my head's kind of spinning on the idea of reaching out to an alumni network from high school or college or whatever. Like, that's brilliant. Like, that's, that, is, that is anybody thinking about a charity race in the future. There, there's a winning idea as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, keep posting about it, earn it, uh, all those things. Uh, definitely, definitely important. So uh, before we run out of time today, Kevin, let's, let's talk about the segment itself. How did, you know, like you said, 30, 30 miles a day or 32 mixed in there, one of those early days uh, for seven days. And then, you know, just a, a victory lap of eight miles on the last day. But like, how, how did, how did, you know, in, in a nutshell, in, in, uh, you know, in the time we have left, let's talk about kind of how that, how that week went, how did it kick off? Like highs, lows? I mean, it's, I, I know we're getting the, the quick version here, but how, how was your eight days from, from Vegas into, into Utah? Yeah, so um, I, you know, th- my segment was was probably the best experience of my life. Mm. Like, I, I am not even just saying that. Like, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Those eight days were such a special time in my life. So what I did was I flew out the uh, the night before my segment started. So I flew out on a Friday night and I started uh, on a Saturday. And the way that the segment goes is you live in an RV with two random people that are hired by MS Run the US. So you're flying out, you're gonna go live with people that you've never met before. So that's something that is like, okay, I'm kind of stepping out of my comfort zone here. I'm gonna go live with two people that I, uh, I have never met before, I've never talked to before. And I am not exaggerating, it could not have been more of a perfect fit for me and the two people that I was with. Um, their names are uh, Tony, and Katie were the two individuals that were on the RV with me. And I'm not exaggerating. We became best friends within eight days. And when I look at my segment, it's just such an amazing experience. I mean, beautiful landscapes, running on roads and desert and mountains and just like phenomenal experience, like staying in different RV parks. Like it was so awesome that like, it's hard to even explain in words. And, you know, I was really fortunate, like, you know, the first day I I started, I came out, I'll be honest, very hard. And I ran pretty hard the first day, which is like totally against like how I think about racing. But I think I just got so wrapped up in it. Like day one, I came out really hard and was like totally like shot by the end of it. But after that, I like settled into a groove of just like running easy and taking it slow. And, you know, I would, I would jog the flats. I would walk the uphills and then jog the downhills and kept the conservative the whole time. My hardest day was day four because I made a, I made a rookie mistake. We ended up having to drive through my day four route in order to get to the next RV park. Mm. So I got to see kind of what the route was like and going into the route, I thought to myself like, oh, most of this is downhill this is going to be a pretty easy day. And when I started day four, I could not have been more wrong. It ended up being a lot of like uphills and it was just like relentless. And I remember mentally being like, this is so crappy. Like I should not have thought to myself that this was going to be an easy day. And, uh, so that was probably my lowest point, but I mean, it was just like the last, uh, the last couple days were, uh, just, like every day was phenomenal but the last couple days as I headed into the 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 finish it was like I didn't even want to be done like you know you would think oh you've ran seven straight days of uh of 30 plus miles a day like you're probably so excited to be done and I honestly didn't even want it to end like it was the it was the happiest moments of my life and like I get emotional even talking about it and thinking about it because it was just it was just like a life-changing experience, like crossing the finish line, because what they do is they blow up like an MS run the US finish line for you to finish and go through. And like, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit this, like I, I cried more that day of finishing and the day afterwards than I think I cried for the prior 20 years of my life. <laughs> well, you know, a, a, an undertaking that serious, like, you know, it, you're, you're, uh, I think there's some emotions that are, that are going to be at play. So, you know, like that's, that's, I think, I mean, not that I'm trying to say that it's not never acceptable to cry, but like, cert- clearly like, yeah, that's, that's an emotional thing for anybody. I mean, it, it just, it's just, it's just, going to be. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, like accomplishing that and running the miles and doing it for a cause that's so close to my heart. And like the whole thing was just like the perfect, the perfect mixture of, of an event and, and of a fundraiser. And it was just, you know, it was just so amazing and so breathtaking that, you know, I can't recommend it enough. Um, like the window just opened today. So today's, uh, you know, July 20th. So whenever this podcast is released, I, you know, I definitely recommend to, to anybody that's interested in, in doing this, go to go over to the, the MS run the U S website and, and give it a go and apply and, uh, see if you can get on the relay team. And if, if anybody has any questions, you know, on Instagram, you can shoot me a message. I'm, I'm always happy to, uh, always happy to talk about that and give more information as well. Thank you for that, Kevin. It's, uh, Hopefully we can we can spur a few more folks to to apply this year or at least put it on their radar. If, and if maybe you know I don't know if there's ever a year where you're just like oh yeah this would be the perfect year. But like you know somewhere down the road you know whether it's this year next year whatever like I I'm uh you know not saying anything not not making any bold proclamations but it's it's stewing in the back of my mind as a possibility as well. So I I maybe maybe hitting you up for some info down the road. Awesome. Um, yeah. What's, uh, you know, a couple, a couple months, well, not even a couple months yet. We'll get to that in just a second as we're, as we're getting close to wrapping up. But what was, what was the recovery like for you after, after eight days, um, cruising through 220 miles, like, um, come through pretty well unscathed, a little bit of aches and pains, I would imagine. But like, what was, what was kind of the, the, the post, you know, week, two weeks, three weeks, kind of that recovery window like? Yeah. So, so it was, uh, it was good. It was, it was really good. I think, I think because not on, on, on none of the days I ever really like truly, truly depleted myself that I had a lot of recovery to do. Like I kept it really simple and kept it, you know, slow and steady. And uh, so when I finished up, like I didn't really even have too much like soreness or stiffness, but I did take a week off from running just to, you know, give my body a full, full amount of like relaxation and, and just allow my body to rest. I, I, I would still go on walks to get blood flow and things like that. Um, but after the first week off, I started to, started to run again and get, get some miles in again. But, you know, I I think a big part of, of running that, uh, you know, sometimes gets overlooked because, uh, because we run so much and because, you know, people that, that, uh, go out and run, they, it's easy to fall into the idea of, uh, you know, I can kind of eat whatever and not have to worry about the quality of my food. Uh, and, and for me personally, and I think this is a major difference on why I felt so good throughout the segment and also why I recovered so quickly was I was really, really focused on what I was eating when I was on my segment. And then also what I was eating after my segment, you know, really focusing on making sure that I'm getting in good quality proteins, fruits, vegetables, um, staying away from the processed nonsense and kind of staying away from inflammatory foods. And for me personally, you know, I, I believe that makes a big difference in your recovery to be able to bounce back quicker um, and to be able to kind of get back to the flow of, of normalcy and what you want to do next. Um, so, so the recovery was smooth. I think it took a couple of weeks to get fully recovered. Um, but it was never anything where I felt like I had any injuries or any, any major problems afterwards. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, just a kind of a random question that, that popped into my head, but you know, talking about avoiding some infl- inflammatory foods, I- I- avoiding the processed things and, and whatnot as well. Um, I mean, I, again, you know, you, you're, you're, reading from my playbook, like that's, that's my kind of situation as well, as much as I can. But I'm curious for you with, with, with your MS, is that part of the managing MS playbook as well? Or is that just like, I don't want to say a happy coincidence, but is that just kind of something that, that is just what you do, I guess, for lack of a better way of, of asking it? I think it's for me personally, I think it's uh it's a massive part of my living with MS and it's a massive part of my treatment with MS. So, you know, no doctor has ever uh, prescribed it as a, as something that I should do. Um, but I think it has given me a, a tremendous leg up on MS. Uh, there's a great story out there or a great, um, it is a story, but a great, uh, a doctor out there by the name of Dr. Terry Walls, W A H L S. And, uh, you know, she really opened up my eyes through a book and her, her podcast that she's been on to treating MS with food. So I am on medication, full disclosure. You know, I'm not uh, going off my medication. I'm on my medications. I've been on medication for, for nine years. But I think a great, uh, a great addition to being on conventional medication is making sure that you're, you're putting the right inputs into your body so your body can stay healthy. And this doctor, Dr. Terry Walls, you know, she basically uh, cured herself of MS with diet and lifestyle. 
So, you know, once I saw that and, and I started down this rabbit hole of eating healthy and basically focusing on food as medicine and things like that, uh, I have stuck with it and it's the way that I view that I need to eat for my body to be able to, to uh, be okay with MS and to perform well. And, and you know, it's, it's a perfect coincidence that as a runner, I need to be eating good quality foods. And then as somebody living with MS, I need to be eating good quality foods. So I have two reasons to stick to the healthy diet. Right. Well, and yeah, and, and I mean, that's, you know, like you want to be, you know, for, without trying to get, get too deep into the weeds of the, of the nutrition bit at this point, but like, you know, you want to be a good, healthy human, no matter, no matter what your, your situations are, what kind of things you're dealing with, what your, your ambitions are in the sport. Like it's, it's hard to do that if you're just putting garbage in, like can you splurge once in a while, have a treat here and there? Of, of course. Um, but if the, if the bulk of your diet is good, healthy food, um, you're giving yourself a chance, you know, you're, you're giving your Absolutely. body what it needs. And, and it's, that's always a big piece of the puzzle as far as I'm concerned. It sounds like you as well. Absolutely. I, you know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a, a phrase that I hear pretty often, but it's, you know, you can't outrun a bad diet. And I think that is so true because, you know, maybe for the first year of your running, if you're running a lot, you can, you can eat whatever and, and you know, throw whatever down the hatch. But at the end of the day, I think eventually it catches up to you. And, uh, you know, it can cause more inflammation. It can cause recovery to slow down. And, you know, it, it can be a wide range of, of like diets that you can go on. And, and I don't even like the word diet because I think that a diet is something that I believe is, is like you say you're on a diet. I think that kind of promotes the idea of like I'm going to do this for a, a designated time period and then it's going to come to an end. I look at it more as a lifestyle. So, you know, if you shift your lifestyle, whatever that may be to a healthier diet or a healthier lifestyle, ultimately you're gonna feel better. And when I say a healthier lifestyle, it's as simple as cutting out the processed foods and just eating what has been you know, grown from the ground or, um, or is something that is raised on a, on a, you know, a grass-fed farm and raised in, in, a, in, a, in a proper manner, uh, things like that. I mean, you know, uh, Dean Carnass's, uh who's you know a legendary ultra runner who's probably one of the the leading people for influencing this you know massive shift to ultra running over the last couple of decades you know, he says if i can't pick it off a tree or or um you know essentially like uh kill it with my own hands mm -hmm. i don't want to eat it and you know that sounds a little morbid with the kill it with your own hands but it's the truth and i think that you know, that's something that's important. Like we, we need to be putting in the right inputs because our bodies will function just so much better. Sleep will improve. Recovery will improve. Run times will improve. Like your performance overall will just improve tremendously. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and um, I mean, it's a wormhole I've been down before. It's a wormhole. I'm, I'm sure I'll go down again, but like, like I call it real food. We're speaking the same language here. Just like stuff that's not processed stuff that, you know, that, that folks from the, you know, late 1800s would recognize as food that right. you know, maybe, maybe they wouldn't, you would put them in a grocery store these days and they might not know what the heck they were looking at. But if it's, you know, the stuff that the, the, the fresh stuff, the things that, the things that go bad, quite frankly, you know, if, if it'll go yeah. bad in, in your refrigerator, then it's probably something that you want to eat before it goes bad. But anyway, we, we could, we could go down that rabbit hole for a whole nother hour, but uh, we'll get you out of here before, before too much longer. One final question for you, Kevin. I always close with, with something I call a philosophical question. Uh, which is basically just like the intro question we had from the beginning, but instead of it being a standard question, it's kind of something, something a little bit different, kind of go through a little bit of a rotation or if something from the, the, the conversation itself stands out that I want to dig back into a little bit. And uh, with, with you, I, I want to touch one more time on, on your segment this year and, and just kind of um, curious to, to know, you know, we've got a, a couple of months now that it's been in, in the rear view mirror, a little bit of, of time to reflect on it and, and reminisce and, and, um, curious, what, what is your kind of lasting memory? Like if, if you could just say one, one moment or one mile or one, one part of that eight day journey, um, what, what's the, what's that, that one lasting moment from segment three, 2022 MS run the U S relay for you? Yeah, I think, I think for me, the, the one lasting moment is, is the last day. Every day, like I said, was amazing. The views were beautiful. The, the experience of running through massive valleys between mountains out in Utah was just uh, breathtaking. But I truly believe the last day is what I'll always remember um, the most and stands out the most to me because as I ran those last eight miles, the 
amount of emotions that rushed into my system and you know flooded my mind and my brain and and finishing that up it was just it was like an emotional overload in such a beautiful way so for me that was definitely you know finishing up that last day it was just such a special moment that I'm going to I'm always going to cherish in my heart because it was just it was just the culmination of just a beautiful week beautiful 8 days with two people that uh you know made the trip amazing and then you know finishing up my girlfriend flew out from New Jersey to to Utah to uh to be there so just all in all that was just such a great finish to such an epic experience mm. well it's it's uh you, you paint a good picture my friend I know like I said earlier I I you know every time I talk to one of you one of you folks that have done it it's like yeah this sounds like something I need to do and and you you did that you did that again today um y'all if you want to check out some of Kevin's Kevin's run the u.s stories or just you know things that are going on in the future um instagram youtube kevin hogler runs same handle both places uh disruns.com slash 1074 get you back to the show notes there's also a uh, just for everybody listening there's about a 10 minute youtube video uh we'll make sure to link that in the show notes as well that's kind of just kind of chronicles uh kevin's journey over those eight days some of the highlights uh the finish line moment as well of course and so if you want to check that out it's 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 whatever, about 10 minutes, like I said, nine and a half minutes, well worth your time. Check that out as well. We'll make sure that's linked in the show notes as well. So, uh, Kevin, thanks for, uh, for taking the time today to, to chat a little bit, share some of your story. Um, good luck at the race that's, that's coming up this weekend. And, and like I said, by the time people are listening to this, or like you said, it already have happened, but hope it, hope it all goes well. Have, have a great race out there and um, keep on keeping on, my friend. Keep looking forward to, to staying in touch, following along. Um, and who knows, when I, when I uh, you know, try out for the uh the run the u.s relay team one of these years um you you played a part in making it happen so i appreciate that and again just appreciate your time and nothing but the best for you going forward awesome thank you so much it was, it was great being on the podcast with you and i appreciate you having me as a guest and thank you everybody that uh that listened to the podcast and you know hopefully we'll be having another conversation again at some point down the road all right y'all thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Kevin and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your little uh, takeaway from our little chit chat today? Um, as per usual, I had three or four things written down. Had to pick just one because those are the rules that I try to play by. I try not to give 17 different takeaways from every conversation, which more often than not would be possible. Uh, but today I, I, I kind of really zoned in on uh, when Kevin was talking about the different options that are available in the ultra running community, whether it's a point to point race, whether it's a looped race, whether it's a timed race, whether it's a, you know, flat and relatively runnable, whether it's a real hilly mountain technical, whether it's a road ultra. I mean, there's so many different options out there. And that stood out to me, not only from the ultra running perspective, although it did stand out to me from that perspective as well as even though I am still kind of novice when it comes to ultra running. Um, but just running in general, how many different options are available in terms of race distances, whether or not you even want to race at all? You know, I mean, just last week we talked to Thomas and he, he doesn't race. He just runs like forever far, but he doesn't do races. That's an option. Um, you know, there's there's options of different types of races, whether it's the OCRs, whether it's the, the color runs, the, the uh, mud runs, which is kind of an OCR typically, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's the bubble runs, there's the, the not timed, like just fun nonsense runs. There's, you know, track runs. There's, there's, you know, all, you know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of different options out there. And while, while, you know, Kevin was talking about kind of, you know, he really likes the, the, the timed races that don't have a set finish line necessarily. They have a finished time. Um, he's dipped his toes into some other waters and I think he said something, and, and, and I think this is a quote. Maybe it's it's not quite, but it's close. You know, don't knock it till you try it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean to me that I have to try every type of race. doesn't necessarily mean to me that you need to try every type of race. But what it does say to me is that every different type of race out, out there, at least from my experience, for whatever that's that's worth, and it might not be worth much, but every type of race that's out there you don't have to look too hard to see some pros, some, some reasons that, oh, that, that could be advantageous. Now, a lot of times you can also see some cons, right? Sometimes the cons are, are pretty much universal. Sometimes the cons are, uh, you know, just due to your personal preference. But there are pros to running 
loops, you know, a small looped course, a one mile looped course. You're never far from aid. You can just kind of set up all your stuff that's right there. So like, you know, if you get a little hitch in your giddy up, it's not like you had a power hike with, uh, you know, something that's going on, something that's, that's rubbing for seven miles until you get to the nearest aid station. Like you're never more than a mile away from your, your stuff, from some Vaseline or some type of, you know, something to help alleviate the problem. And, and yes, it, you know, I, in my mind, it could get boring running a one mile loop for six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever. But there's, there's positive aspects about that too. And again, that translates out to whatever type of distances you're running. You know, y'all know, I don't like running a 5k, but like, you know, it's hard and it's painful and it hurts, but it's over for me in, you know, 20, 21, 22 minutes, something like that. Um, and so maybe there's, there's a pro in there somewhere could be a good workout, you know, all kinds of different ways to look at different aspects of the sport, different disciplines, different styles and see some pros and cons of it. And, and again, that's, that's kind of my takeaway. Don't knock it till you try it and look for the pros and the different, the different options, even if they're not for you and you can recognize a pro and still be like, eh, yeah, it's still not for me. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause our sport is plenty diverse for all different types of people, all different types of runners and all different types of running options, races, distances, etc. So if you want to pigeonhole yourself, pigeonhole yourself. But this was just a, a reminder to me to, you know, take the opportunity when it presents to get out there and explore some of the diversity of, of different terrains, different types of races that our sport provides. So there you go. That was my takeaway. What about you? Something similar? Something different? Like I said, I have like six other things written down. So maybe you picked one of those. Uh, one way or the other, if you're willing to share it, I'd love to hear about it. At DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can always head over to the show notes for today. We got some photos from Kevin. We got some links to the things that we talked about. Uh, certainly to MS Run the US if you're thinking about applying for the team this year or next year or some year. Hey, Go for it and feel free to reach out to Kevin. Like he said, he'll answer any questions. I know some other folks in, uh, in the Facebook group, folks that have been on the show have said the same type of thing. So we've got, we've got some resources, some folks that have been there, done that some MS run the U S alumni, feel free to reach out to them. If you're uh, thinking about it though, uh, not for nothing, not spoiler alert, but you know, whatever warning, they're probably going to try to talk you into it because they all seem to have really enjoyed the experience, even though it was difficult enjoyed the experience and maybe you would as well. Maybe that's one of those disciplines of running that multi-day challenge that uh, you've never explored. Maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time we both explore. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, one last call for the consultation calls. If you're, if you're needing a little help, need a little assistance, need a little, uh, bouncing some ideas off of each other, disruns.com slash consultation. It's always available, not planning on going anywhere. And it's definitely something I really enjoy doing. So I've had a chance to talk to several of you recently uh, and hopefully, we'd love to talk to several more. Hopefully, you don't need me. But if you do, it's there. Dizruns.com slash consultation. Any questions, let me know. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, shall we? Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention. Appreciate you hitting that share button if you enjoyed this episode. Maybe you know somebody who's, who's maybe maybe would make an awesome MS Run the U.S. Relay participant. Maybe hit that share button. Send this, send this episode to them. Just say, hey, you know, I thought you might like this episode. And then they'll get to this point and be like, oh. That's why you sent it. That's why you sent it. But the, the seed's already been planted. You already did your job. Hit that share button if you enjoyed this episode. One way or the other, once again, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Kevin and I with you today. And until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks one more time for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.